What I'd like to do is the first, uh, the first Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m., the first Wednesday evening uh, of each month, to meet through Zoom and uh, just have a discussion, work through the books, and anyone who's reading them and wants to come in and discuss and have questions, we'll do it once a month. And mm. there will be no set charge a person can pay whatever they wish to enter the group. Just whatever you have and whatever you want to contribute uh, is fine. So I'm, and I'm also going to yeah, right. do what Karen is recommending. I started a, uh, an in-person study group here in New York. And I think you're right. I think that that will happen too. I know. I, no. did too, I went over the chapters this morning too. And <laughs> I know the books are incredible. You know, you hear me rave about the books a lot, but for good reason. <laughs> the books are really incredible. The books are really incredible. There are lots of great books yeah. out there. They really are. But um, the way they just resonate and their clarity, yeah. like you can just put yourself in it, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Mm. You know, uh, one, one thing I came to realize, Kelly, as, as this writing was pouring through me was that the material is so concentrated. It's so, like you say, one paragraph contains so much, uh, really it contains so much energy and vibration. That's what's going on. It's yeah. more than the words. And the reason it contains that is because it's the input of a whole team of beings. Yeah. Uh, and that was impressed upon me at, because I'm blown away by it too. I'm yeah. a student of it. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I read it, and I, I really have very little memory of writing a lot of it. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. In fact, I don't remember writing it. I remember writing on the airplane when the whole experience occurred in the beginning, but I don't really remember writing this material like you would think that you would remember writing for yeah. a book. I simply no, don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, because you, you were in yeah. another dimension when you wrote it, in an altered state, another dimension. I, I, I wanted to say that I know this isn't in the chapters that Karen sent us, but when I um, meditate in the morning, I say some prayers beforehand. And the prayer that's in, well, it's not, I don't know that it's a prayer, but it's in book one. starts out, it says, I enter the flow of this day, recognizing the gift of life upon the earth and the opportunities it offers for growth and, and upliftment. Um, it's a whole paragraph that just yeah. kind of connects you with your team before you go on your day. Yeah. And what I really like about it is it says um, to the effect that when I'm caught in the details of my life, I'm leaving behind a uh, emissary of thought, a representation of my higher will to continue the process of inspiration and enlightenment. And I love that because it means that even though we get caught in the details, we're still, you know, we still have that inspiration in us and that connection. So I love that. I love that prayer. Yes. I love that prayer too. Oh, you know, when you said, when you started out saying I had planned to kill myself and I began this search, everything flooded over me. That's a book. Are you writing oh, yeah. one? Yes, she is. We've got her on it. She's in the next Okay. One. That is a story that needs to be told because exactly. people need to hear that. Exactly. She's, she's also, Gloria's also got a chapter in the next book where she's going to share that. And then she's going to, you know, the beauty of the books is if you haven't written a book, 
you can yes. start with a chapter and yes then, and then after that you can expand on it into a whole book and that's where we're at with Cecil and Gloria at the moment yeah. and we'll get Kelly and Sasha onto that too <laughs> <laughs> look I'm a big proponent about sharing our wisdom like it's 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 about you know we don't live these lives we don't elect to come here and have a physical life experience fraught with trauma and problems and then discover uh, the transformation that that all brings and not and not share that with others you know we we have to share i just I, i'm a big one for sharing it's it's not easy oh it's such a great segue everything that gloria just said is such a great segue into <laughs> this this chapter called identity because it's not easy when you believe that you are your identity of the person who wanted to kill themselves or the person that got divorced or the person that, you know, did all these terrible things as you embarked on this physical journey with a, with a you know, ego mind and a body and, and all the things that we get up to, all the, you know, so-called terrible things we get up to and then remember who you are. When you're connected to the identity of the ego, it's not easy to share of yourself because you think that you are these these acts, these deeds. And yet um, oh, this, this chapter in identity just speaks to me because this is, how I, this is how I feel about myself. You know, I look on the Karen that did, that, you know, tortured ex-husbands and did all these terrible <laughs> things. <laughs> I look on her with such, with such love like a child, you know, like that. And I don't, I, you know, I do identify with her and I don't identify like I live this dualistic identity that that ego self is not who I am. It's the role I was playing or I'm still playing and I've got a choice that just this, anyway, do you want to expand on that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I started reading, you know, there's... I do have to study and read this material to prepare because I couldn't possibly carry it all around in my head. Yeah. Although I have to say when I, when I was writing uh, the material, I understood it. It was a revelation that mm -hmm. I understood at the time, but do I manifest it? Do I carry it? Do I, do I have it available at all times? No, mm -hmm. uh, I am a student, mm -hmm. but, as I read it this morning, I was just struck with understanding why so many of us feel a resistance to embracing our divinity. I mean, you talk to people about this and they say, who, me? If you only knew my life, if you only knew what I, where I've been or what I've done, you know? And I think what we, we miss is that it's easier if we acknowledge that our soul is the creation of a divine being. This sense of pride, oh, I'm, I'm godlike, makes us feel uncomfortable, makes other people feel uncomfortable. But when we can truly comprehend, we did not create ourselves. There's no beginning and no end to creation. So we didn't create ourselves. We were created and we were created as divine beings. And we are here to experience the contrast and to grow that being by having circumstances in front of us that make us choose over and over and over again if we are going to 
act from this divine point within ourselves or not. It, it's almost too simple. It, it, it eludes us because it is so simple, you know, wouldn't you say? Yeah. But it is a matter of choice. And elsewhere in the books, it, it, it describes, and I think it's a, the chapter on uh, holy creative power, where it says it's very easy for us to accept the idea that at any given moment we can jump up and start smashing things and destroying things with our hands or with our words, harming people, destroying, causing chaos. We know we can do this. Do we have any doubt? Is there anybody here that doubts that they can get up and do that? I don't think so. We know we can do that. So why is it so easy to accept that we can destroy, which is a form of creation, mm. right? Mm. We're creating chaos. Why is it so easy for us to accept that, but not to accept that we can do the opposite? It, it truly is a matter of, of exerting our free will because we have the choice, we have the right to choose or to unchoose. And we can unchoose for as long as we like. Nobody's yeah. going to force us to make that decision. Exactly, exactly. And that was the beauty of what was in the, um, the chapter identity, that that choice not to choose who we are, that yeah. choice to be destructive and not creative, is so honoured by our team. It's actually yes. really honoured because it, they, they have no agenda that you would wake up um that they it's like oh you will wake up everyone will wake up eventually but it's not sort of required oh, i don't know i can't i'm trying to explain it so for instance when i was young i was so trying to wake up and i i kind of wasn't allowed to like i had to continue my life identified with the personality and all that was fraught with my personality i had to continue that for a period of time because being in that state was so valuable and as i look back now that i've got a few years on me as i look back i realize that as someone who contributes to others had i not gone through all those experiences i would never have known what that feels like what that's like like i always thought I had lived so many lives in this lifetime, done so many things, you know, and, and I wasn't following the rules like everybody else was following the rules. I wasn't being a good girl. <laughs> I was not being the good girl. But now you, know, now you know you were just like everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think there are definitely times, though, that um, we're in a situation, we're surrounded by people who, who think a certain way, who live a certain way, um, whose thoughts are in a certain direction and uh, our words are going to be uh, useless with them yeah. so what is better is just to radiate the most loving and non-judgmental uh, vibration to them and be silent perhaps in their midst but we are still affecting you know we're always creating with our energy with our thoughts because yeah. here we're here we're in a very you know, we have this lovely moment of coming together with people who think in a similar way. And so we're creating this lovely pool of vibration that we all feel very at peace with. Um, but when we go out in our normal day, that isn't the case. 
Mm. And so it's more actions, thoughts, vibration than words. But that is I do why, understand what you mean. Yeah, that is so important to have those books and to have the, those meetings that you are creating, Karen. Because we need yeah. it to, 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 to get empowered and, and have some feeling of some support. Yeah, I know. Look, you know, for years I ran the Academy of Light, which was a, a Monday night meeting where we would come together. Anyway, we would come together every Monday night and people would be like, oh, I'm with like mind, I'm with like mind, I'm with like, this is so great. This is where I get my nurture and my, you know, I fill up and all that sort of thing. But they'd go back into their lives and be the drama all over again and come back and drink from the well and then go back into their life. And... I just, I just watched this go happen over and nobody really shifted. They would just come and drink and then go and just be the same. <laughs> and, I, and I thought to myself, you know, the whole purpose of coming together in groups like this is not to feel good and all prop each other up. It's to remind ourselves of who we can be when we're out there in the world and then be that, you know, like when we... The, the grumpy boss and the angry husband and the, you know, the upset daughter and the, you know, it, it's to be that. It's like these, you know, I always call my sessions reminders from home. And when we read these books and discuss this stuff, it's to, it's to put it, inject it into our lives, not just in this, these groups. And I think this yes. chapter on identity is just perfect for really doing that. Because that, who am I in this situation? Like, who am I when someone's yelling at me? Who am I when someone's upsetting me? Who am I? I'm not the person that gets upset or is frustrated or angry. You know, the first, Francis, the first, know ye not that ye are gods. You know, that just says it. It's like, we're God. Like who who am I? I'm God. Well, what would God do now? Or I'm love. Like what would love do now in this situation? It points out in here that identity is at the core of our life experience. At the core. We are we are creating events and we are experiencing life from the perspective of our identity. And the first step is to acknowledge our divine lineage. If your focus is upon the beauty of your origin, rather than seeing yourself as separate and a self-sustained identity, your love for that origin will birth in you a yearning to represent that source as best you can. That's on uh, page 54. So it, it's really, it's not, you know, when you say, oh, well, I am God, and people go, oh, I can't say that, I can't feel that. But what we can say mm -hmm. is my soul is a direct extension of and reflection of God, whatever that word source, whatever that word means to you. And if, if indeed we believe that is what the soul is, and that is our true self, then we can honor our origin we can honor our origin by embracing that lineage it's like inheriting uh, a vast wealth and saying i'm going to leave it in the bank 
I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to share it. I'm not going to make the world a better place with it. I'm just going to say I, it's there, but I'm not going to use it. That's what it's like when we don't accept that we have this lineage, that we have this holy divine essence. Ooh, I love that analogy. Sitting in the bank. And you, but when we say, I, I have inherited this, I am composed of this, I've been created this way, this is the true me, I'm going to use my true identity. It, we, we take the first step. We acknowledge our divine lineage. You want to say something, Karen? It's so interesting that you use that analogy. It's like having millions of dollars in the bank and not using it. <laughs> and not not being creative with it Ah, not being creative if we have our divine lineage if we have if we recognize that we are this um and that it is a reflection of our origin you don't have to say well i of myself and i am this lofty being i think that that that's where people trip up they don't want to be prideful they don't feel comfortable they think oh if you knew what i was really like but we know that's the, the world of the ego that, that we feel did and said and acted in such a way that we're not proud of. But there is something within everybody so pure, so glorious, so holy, so uh, uh, indescribably beautiful. Brilliant. That, um, it is... Uh, I don't want to use the word a shame not to embrace it, but it is, uh, it is very similar to having every imaginable beautiful thing sitting in your house or sitting in the bank or sitting somewhere and not, and not sharing it, not creating something beautiful in the world with it. Now to think of your uh, divine lineage as, you know, millions of dollars sitting in the bank, because we often think, what would I do if I had millions of dollars? Like what would I do with the money? Right. So maybe use that analogy like you have got millions of dollars sitting in the bank. It's your divine lineage. It's your connection to source energy. It's your connection to your higher self or your soul or your guides or your team or whatever you want to call that. What am I going to do with it? Like this, if you you have that same thought, what am I going to do with it? Like if I could spend millions of dollars, what would I do with it? What am I going to do with this brilliance that I am? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, this, this line, choosing to live and act from this divinity is the second step here. Until the choice is made, you will experiment with all uh-huh. the other seeds in your garden shed, having temporarily pleasure with them and then from time to time, but feeling the emptiness of the unrealized divinity that is available to you. You know, as I was uh, talking to you about how my guides were holding me back, keeping me well and truly entrenched in my ego linear mind, I think that when you are entrenched in your ego linear mind, we create a lot of problems in our lives, right? We create relationships and then fight with these people. And the problems that we create, because, you know, I believe that we are the creators of our experience, are sometimes we create them from that perspective so that we can be in that situation, so that we can have that choice to come Mm -hmm. from the you know the divinity that we are or from the ego that we are so it's kind of like they kept me creating all these problems in my life so that when i would hit these problems 
I then had a choice to choose yeah. the identity. Who, who am I going to be in this situation? Am I going to be Karen or am I going to be, you know, the right. higher self? So I don't know. I think yes. once you start to really realise who you are, you stop creating the problems to show yourself who you are. So life becomes a lot simpler. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, in, this, in this book, there's a chapter called Illusions, Your Best Friends. And we have all these illusions that you're describing that we go through these things that we look back on now, perhaps, that were, were the dramas of our lives. And um, they're our best friends because we are, they, they are there so that we can look, graduate from them. Every illusion has its purpose, yep. but ultimately we are, we are meant to graduate from that illusion. Yep. So yes, it is part of the whole process. I'd like to ask if anybody wants to say anything or ask anything about that first step, the acknowledging of our divine lineage. In book one, and then it refers in, in here as well, it describes that our identity, our soul, our true essence, our being, who we really are, is a child, is the offspring of a pair of divine beings. A mother and father who through spiritual union create a baby soul. And these are literal and direct spiritual parents that we have spiritual parents just like we have physical parents now all of these levels of teams and in groups and in and the individual and then the parents all of these are layers of i don't want to use the word below but they are part of the one the whole so we don't want to get too hung up and that's why book four is called beyond the team we don't want to get too attached to the idea of all these uh uh we don't want to make it a dogma you know we don't want to make it a doctrine mm. but it is so beautiful to me this concept that my soul is the child of a pair of masters because only at a certain point are beings able to unite in this spiritual way and create a new child create a spiritual child so this is part of our lineage this is part of who we are and many of us who have suffered uh, in families where we were made perhaps even outright neglected or abused by one or both parents can look to our spiritual parents as our real parents of our identity. I have one other person who has talked to me about this, whose mother was truly abusive and in every way, physically and mentally. And uh, she has had a true union and re experience of reuniting with her spiritual mother mm. that has been totally healing. that my whole life because I was one of those people <laughs> whose father abused me and abandoned me and then mum dies when I'm 16 right 
So I did not have parents. And uh, the ego self is like, oh, poor me, no parents. And um, I wish I had a home to go to when I felt like I, like, so I'm, like, I've got my daughter here with me at the moment. And she said to me last night, looking over the kitchen bench, I love you, mum. Like, she doesn't say that too often, right? And I'm like, really? What sparked that? And she said, it's so nice to have a home to come home to. And this is something I never had. So um, I remember when I got further on my spiritual evolution and I started to think about not as having these golden spiritual parents, but having a team of beings mm -hmm. that look after me at, like a parent or God who looks after me like a parent. I started yeah. to have this realization that my parents were taken away from me so that I would feel parented by God, for a better word, so that I would feel looked after by the universe, by life, by God, by because I'm not putting that identity of you need to look after me on a human being, whether it's uh -huh. a husband or a parent or a lot of people do when their children get to adults or, you know, or our children, you know, like sometimes we get older, we yeah. think I looked after you, now you need to look after me. And that identity of being looked after, when you put it in the hands of the divine, when you say life loves me, you know, life yes. is taking care of me, I am supported, I'm looked after, I'm loved. That identity of the parent with the divine is the most mm -hmm. delicious way you can live your life because that can't disappoint you, but your parents can, <laughs> or your children can. And your children and your, your grandchildren. Yes. yes. <laughs> Or your partners or your wives, you know, or your girlfriends. You're like, they can disappoint you, but your inner being cannot. Yeah. No. Your inner being and your relationship with the divine. And for many people, they're pets. You yeah. have the most unconditional love from, from pets. It's quite you remarkable. Know, but you know how pets disappoint us, apart from ruining the furniture? They die. <laughs> they die. That's how they do. But they don't die. But they don't yes. die. But if you're in that. I hear you. Yeah. If you're in that, I love my pet so much, it loves me unconditionally, and then it dies, then you feel like that unconditional yeah. love's been taken from you. Of course, it hasn't, because they're just the representation yeah. of that relationship you have with the divine in a furry form. Uh, yeah. But it's a representation. It's not the source yeah, of the relationship. Well, what you just said is so important. If we can learn to recognize all relationships are symbols of an aspect of the divine, all the different kinds of love that we have, you know, with mates and, or spouses or children. You know, there's different kinds of love we feel and experience with animals. Um, they're all symbols of some aspect of divine love. So we have this lineage and we have these divine parents and that, that our, our spiritual mother is part of the universal mother. Our spiritual father is part of the universal father. Our yeah. spiritual child is part of the universal Christ consciousness yeah. because we have that entire story that represents that as well. And then the second big point is to choose to live and act from this divinity 
consciously, deliberately, and uh, recognizing that indeed there will be times where we, we don't. But every, everything, every situation is actually uh, an in, a vibrational invitation to us. It's a vibrational invitation. Do you want to come into this vibration? Or do you want to elevate the vibration? Or do you want to join it where it is? But certainly we don't want to lower the vibration of any particular encounter. So we have the choice of the moment. I think that's in book two. Every moment pre presents to us, every, in, in every moment there's the highest choice to be, that can be made in that moment. Even if we're in a bad situation, like you were talking, in a, she was talking about the situation of being in a, a very difficult, uh, you know, with difficult people. And, but even in that, there is, there is the choice of the moment. There is the highest choice we can find in, in any particular given moment. And that really is what living and acting from this divinity is all about. Mm -hmm. Taking a moment making our highest choice and moving on. Every situation doesn't have some such, uh, opportunity to act like a saint. It might simply be deciding to be quiet, to be silent in that moment or walk away. Any number of, of choices are available in any given moment. And when we live and act from this divinity, we're seeking the highest choice of the moment. I pulled out some, some essential quotes out of, uh, of this first chapter. Uh -huh. uh, that you have the power to choose to be useless, even to destroy your own body. That we are given this, this free will, this choice is always before us. And the result of your choice yields your sense of identity. It, it recommends in that chapter that when you feel... Uh, an avalanche of emotion rise up and you feel like you're going to become angry or, and it's something you want to resist doing. Uh, remind yourself, have, have a word or a mantra or a phrase or something you want to use or a stone in your pocket, a crystal that you touch, something that reminds you, I have an alternate identity. I don't have to do this or say this or react in the same way I've always done. I have an option. I have an identity. And you can, it's difficult for you to imagine what that identity would lead you to do that would be a higher choice. You can, you know, sort of the what would Jesus do uh, idea, or what would Karen do, or, or um, choose something or someone or, uh, that, that might represent to you. Um, Muji, I love Muji's videos, you know, yeah. different teachers or even um, an individual that you admire. You know, how could this be handled differently? And yeah. the more we choose that, the more we go there, the more familiar and habitual it becomes. It becomes second nature. And then we are begin to identify ourselves as that person, as that being, more and more and more. It's just like a child. The more they 
learn to draw, the more they know I'm an artist. At first it scribbles, but then an, another choice is made, another choice, and eventually, yes, I can draw a beautiful picture. And they can state, I am an artist. Yeah. Emulating, you know, Anthony Robbins talks about this. He, he always says, emulate someone that you admire. Like, you know, yes. if, if someone's really rich, you know, study that rich person and emulate them, like be that, put on their identity. Lots of people are seeking money. But, you know, years ago, I once had a group where this young man really loved Jesus. And we did that. We put on, it's almost as if we took off our clothes that are our identity and, uh -huh. we, put, and we put on him, you know, just that exercise. What would it feel like to be Jesus? Because Jesus was an identity on earth that embodied the divine, right? And there was Buddha and the, you know, and Allah and Krishna and people that, you know, more secular people like, you know, Gandhi and Mandela and all sorts of people that, that wore a physical identity but embodied the divine. And so we can literally do that exercise of wearing their identity, like putting it on, like saying to ourselves, what would it feel like to be him? And he had this ecstatic um, experience of wearing, like putting on Jesus's identity. Yes. This exercise. And he had this sort of ecstatic experience of this, I don't know, it was like he was on fire. He was electrified. He was just like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> So yeah, it's, we um, wear those identities. The people that you admire, as you say, like Muji or uh, yes, whoever. It, yeah, it can be emulation. But and and people may say, well, I I would feel, you know, uncomfortable or that doesn't seem right to me. But really, we're all one. Yeah. And so, and so, reaching up to something or someone we admire, or even inviting the energy of of a master such as Jesus into our being um, is simply uniting with the, the higher part of our own, our, it's, a, it's our own higher selves uniting with the, the light yeah. in any form. So it isn't imitation, it isn't artificial, it isn't artificial, it's authentic. Yeah. It's authentic exactly. and it can yield a result um, if, 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 um, if we find that we're struggling with something in particular, that can really be helpful. Mm. I have used that before when I couldn't resist, you know, speaking or acting in a way that I knew was going to be harmful. I could invite uh, a different identity to support me. Yeah. Has anyone got anything else that they'd like to ask Francis before we say... Good night, good morning. I just want to say that these books has to be read again and again and again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, there's many layers. There's many levels and many layers. And usually something in the beginning, if you read on, it's really developed at a much deeper level, you know. Um, and yeah. Francis, do you want to share... You know, we've been talking about doing the study group yes. and you're yes. going to start them in May. Do you want to share with people? Yes. Thank you for reminding me of that. Um, what I'd like to do is the first, uh, the first Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m., the first Wednesday evening uh, of each month to meet through Zoom 
and uh, just have a discussion, work through the books, and anyone who's reading them and wants to come in and discuss and have questions, we'll do it once a month. And mm. there will be no set charge. A person can pay whatever they wish to enter the group. Just whatever you have and whatever you want to contribute uh, is fine. So I'm, and I'm also going to yeah, right. do what Karen is recommending. I started a uh, an in-person study group here in New York, and I think you're right. I think that that will happen too. We are the love. We are.